0: Turn the mic on is probably a good start, though. A mother is getting her um, daughter ready for her very first car date. And the mother tells her daughter, listen, honey, I know boys. He's going to pick you up and he's going to tell you, wow, you look great tonight. And I'm not going to worry when he says that. And when you're in the car, he's going to tell you, I've really been looking forward to tonight, but I want you to know, mom's not going to worry when he says that. He's going to take you to dinner, and he's going to tell you how special you are to him, but I'm not going to worry when he says that. But then, he's going to say, why don't we drive up to the lake... And we can park, and we can watch the moon over the water. And then he's going to say, why don't you slide over and sit right next to me? And listen, that's when mom is going to worry. You got it? Daughter says, I got it, mom. I got it. Good. Well, she doesn't get back in from her date at 10 o'clock, and she's not back at 11 o'clock. She's not back at midnight. It's 2 a.m. before she walks back in the door. Her mother is frantic. The girl comes in and says, Mom, you are so smart. You do know boys. He picked me up and he said, You look great tonight. And I thought of you, Mom, but I know you weren't worried. And in the car he said, I've really been looking forward to tonight. And I thought of you again and I knew you weren't worried. And then at dinner he said, You're really special to me. And I thought of you again, Mom, and I knew you weren't worried. But Mom then, he said, Why don't we drive up to the lake? We can park and watch the moon over the water. And then he said, why don't you slide over and sit right next to me? And mom, that's when I thought of you. And I said, why don't you slide over and sit by me and let your mother worry? Okay, I don't have to tell any of you mothers in here today that being a mother is a hard job. Anything that begins with something called labor is going to be a hard job. Something that is going to give you uh, reasons to worry probably the rest of your life. But I also know, all kidding aside, that today's a really difficult day for a lot of women. Today's a very difficult day for a lot of men as well. I am sure that there are some people here this morning, and you're only here because it's Mother's Day. Wonderful. Welcome. We're glad you're here. I also know that there are undoubtedly some people who are not here today only because it's Mother's Day. And the thought of listening to a Mother's Day sermon is just too painful. And I'm aware of that reality, and I'm sensitive to that as well. But today is the day that, you know, as Americans, we've kind of set aside to honor our mothers. And it's certainly a biblical concept. The Bible talks so much about honoring women and honoring moms as well. And while it's true that the father is the head of the home, without a doubt, the mom is the heart of the home. So, this morning, we're going to step aside from our series on Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking to and about mothers. And I want to begin by getting some feedback from you. I want your opinion. If you were me today, if if you were tasked with uh, preaching a Mother's Day sermon, what book of the Bible might you go to 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 draw a Mother's Day sermon from? I mean, what book of the Bible could you think of? You say, you know, if you kind of read this book and applied its principles, it would help you be a better mother. Anybody have any idea, any book that you might use? Oh, Proverbs. Boy, I knew Bert would know it. Proverbs 31. Where else, right? It's not where we're going today, but that would be a good one. Any, Any other ideas? Galatians and Ephesians, okay, talking about families and and parents. That's that is very insightful. I'm not going there either, but that'd be a good idea. Ruth, that's a good one. Ruth, whether thou goest, we're not going to Ruth. Samuel, I like Samuel too. Hannah, um, yeah, Hannah, um, yeah. Lots of good places to go, right? Um, this morning. I chose the book of Nehemiah to draw my Mother's Day sermon from. I didn't hear Nehemiah shouted out uh, as, as an option. It's a story of a, a slave, a cupbearer, who's living in exile. Angie Manley stuck her head in my office this week and said, Hey, what's your text this week? Because I'm preparing some things for the kids. I said, Yeah, I'm going to be in Nehemiah for Mother's Day. And she did kind of the Columbo And she looked at me and said, Are there mothers in Nehemiah? (laughs) Because I don't remember mothers in Nehemiah. There are women mentioned, but not really in much of a significant role. You know, Nehemiah seems a little bit better suited to be preached on maybe General Contractors Day than Mother's Day or National Stonemason Day or something like that. Maybe right before an election, we ought to be looking at the book of Nehemiah because it's all about building a wall. (laughs) A big wall. Beautiful wall. Nobody's going to get over my wall. Obviously, Nehemiah is not the greatest place that most people would think to go to for a Mother's Day sermon. But I'm going to disagree. Because I think that building walls and building children have more in common than you might realize. So this morning, I want to take a look at a couple things that Nehemiah did that I think translates into motherhood. You can call it Nehemiah on motherhood. Ideas that work. And I hope that what we're going to talk about today is encouraging to all of us. And here's the first strategy that I want to borrow from Nehemiah. And that is, pray. A lot. When we first meet Nehemiah, he is, he is learning of the situation back in Jerusalem. And his heart breaks for his hometown. And here's what, he, here's what we read in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When I heard this... I sat down and cried. In fact, I refused to eat for several days, for I spent the time in prayer to the God of heaven. Nehemiah said the very first thing I did was sit down and pray to God. And then here's part of Nehemiah's prayer. O Lord God, I cried out. O great and awesome God who keeps His promises and is so loving and kind to those who love and obey Him. Hear my prayer. Listen carefully to what I say. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. You know, as you read through the book of Nehemiah, his life is is, is a bunch of highs and lows going on, but he always comes back to prayer. Prayer is foundational to to Nehemiah's task and Nehemiah's life. Prayer's got to be foundational as we talk about parenthood and, and moms. Mothers, you need to be praying for your children a lot. When you get up in the morning, before your feet hit the floor, say a prayer for your children. When you're tucking them in at night, pray over your children. Of all the advice I think that anyone could give you about raising children, I don't think there's any better advice than pray. A lot. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Don't be weary in prayer, keep at it. Watch for God's answers. Remember to be thankful when they come. Moms, don't be weary in prayer. Keep at it. Watch for God's answers. If you're watching, you'll see them everywhere. Remember to be thankful when they come. By the way, the other side of that coin, if you're a child and your mother is alive, whether you're four or 64, you need to be praying for your mom as well. She deserves your prayers. I mean, she put up with you, right? That's worthy of some divine intervention. But your mom is your very first friend. Your mom's your best friend. She's your forever friend. There's some things that she deserves, and one of the things she deserves, and one of the things she needs, is for her children to be praying for her as well. Nehemiah wasn't going to start the task of building a wall without talking to God about it first. Why would we think we would uh, approach a task like raising children without a daily dose of prayer. Pray a lot. Let your children see you pray. Let your children hear the things that you're praying. Your children need to hear you pray, Mom. You say, well, I'm not very good at praying. Oh, you will be. (laughs) If you have kids, you will be. By the time they're in middle school, you're going to be an expert on prayer. Pray a lot. Here's a second lesson that we can borrow from Nehemiah. Don't be afraid to dream. And don't be afraid to dream really big dreams for your children. Remember, Nehemiah is a cupbearer, he's a slave, he's a food taster. That was his job, which sounds like a pretty good gig until you realize that if anybody's going to poison the king, you're going to be the first to go. One day, the king sees Nehemiah and he can tell something's not quite right with Nehemiah, and he says, You look upset. Nehemiah says, I am upset. My hometown is in ruins, the walls are destroyed, the gates are burned, and the king says, How can I help? And Nehemiah answers in chapter 2, verse 4 with a quick prayer to the God of heaven. Uh, The cupbearer is still in prayer mode. I replied, If it please your majesty, and if you look upon me with your royal favor, send me to Judah to rebuild the city of my fathers. This guy's a slave. He's living in exile. But he has a dream to go all the way back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of the city. At this point, it's really more of a dream than a plan. But he has a dream, a big dream. As parents, particularly you moms, I hope you're dreaming big dreams for your kids. And by the way, I think a mother's dreams for their children are a little bit different than a dad's. Dreams sometimes for their children. And I think there's something really powerful about a mom's dreams for her children. William Wallace, the poet, said in 1865 that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And that was true 150 years ago, and that's true today. The influence that a mother has over her children is incalculable. We need to help those dreams become a reality. Your kids need to be inspired. And they need you to inspire them. When they say, well, I could never... You look them in the eye and say, why not? Because I'm not smart enough or I'm not talented enough. You be sure that they know mom believes in you. Dream big dreams. Dream them for your children. If God puts something on their heart... Just like the king said, how can I help? Let's make it happen. Paul told his young friend Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. Faith is not inherited, but it can be instilled. In other words, it's not something that we just naturally pass down to our children, but it is something that we teach Our children. It is something that we can instill in our children. Pray a lot. Dream big dreams for your kids. And here's the next strategy borrowed from Nehemiah listen to God. You know, I I hear young people saying sometimes, I heard my own kids saying, I can't wait till I grow up and no one's going to tell me what to do. (laughs) I can't wait till I'm a parent and then no one's going to tell me what to do. I kind of shake my head and think, oh my goodness, when you're a parent, everyone tells you what to do. I remember Martha and I, as young parents, had several people tell us, some very bluntly, some a little bit unlovingly, you're doing it wrong. I mean, we were kind of kids ourselves. You're doing it wrong. You can't let your little boys play with BB guns and army figures. They're going to grow up to be violent. You can't let your little girl go out and feed animals in the barn. She needs to be in dance class so she grows up to be a a proper young lady. I had someone tell me, you can't let your kids jump off the roof onto the trampoline into the pool. (laughs) Which was actually pretty good advice. But my point is, everybody's telling you what to do. Everybody has an opinion on how to raise kids. Put them in public school. They need to let their light shine in public school. No, don't put them in public school. Too dangerous. Put them in a, a private Christian school where their faith can develop. No, you need to be homeschooling them so that you know, you're know you in charge of what they're learning. So we homeschooled and private schooled and public schooled all of our kids. <laughs> and to tell you the truth, I, I think for all three of, of our children, they were probably at the right place at the, at the right time you know, in their lives, but everybody has an opinion. There are 10,000 books that you can read on how to raise children. Who do you listen to? Thankfully, God blessed me with a wife who said, we're going to listen to God first. We're going to do our very best to do it God's way. Of all the noise that's out there, Let's focus on what God is telling us to do. Thankfully, the Lord blessed me with a wife who saw the the role of motherhood as one of the most noblest roles on the face of the earth. A gift from God and a responsibility to God. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And moms, I don't have to tell you, once you sign on, there's no going back. Once you become a a mother, you're a mother till the day you die. Nehemiah understood this idea of listening to what God has placed on his heart. He says in chapter 2, verse 11, Three days after my arrival at Jerusalem, I stole out during the night, taking only a few men with me, for I hadn't told a soul about the plans for Jerusalem that God put into my heart. Nehemiah understood as far as the task in front of him is concerned, he's accountable to God then just a couple verses later, he would say, Then I told them about the desire God had put into my heart. My conversation with the king and the plan to which we had agreed. Nehemiah was really clear on this. This this task in front of me, it's a God thing. God put it on my heart. And it baffles me why we are so hesitant to use that kind of language today. It baffles me why, why we don't think that God still puts things on people's hearts. Listen, if if you're a mom, God has stirred something deep inside you. God has called you. No, I'm talking about it being a job. It's a calling. And God has stirred something inside you. And He's put it on your heart. One day we're as parents going to be answerable to God. And if we're answerable to God, we've got to be listening to God of all the voices that are telling you how to be a mom. Listen to God. And I know it's hard, and I know it can be frustrating and confusing. It's not always a matter of you know black or white or right or wrong, or even good, better, and best. So much of being a mom is a kind of a, a judgment call. But I love verse 20 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is confronted by a couple of people who are very vocal in telling him, you're doing it wrong. Look what Nehemiah says. The God of heaven will help us, and we His servants will rebuild this wall. Don't forget the God of heaven will help you. If you're listening to God, it's a truth and a reality that holds true for parents as well as for wall builders. So, pray, dream big dreams, listen to God, and count on the God of heaven to help us. Then, one final lesson that we learned from Nehemiah, and that is don't quit. I love that picture. See the little baby crying in the shirt that says, I'm not tired. And the mother wearing the shirt that says, I'm so tired. Any of you moms can relate to that this morning? Does that kind of describe most of your days (laughs) this morning? Yeah. Do you ever feel like quitting? Chapter 6, verse 9. You're just trying to scare us into stopping our work. These are Nehemiah's enemies that come. And they threaten them and they they scare them. And he says, Listen, you're just trying to get us to, you're trying to scare us. You want us to stop, but we're not going to stop. And then he says, parenthetically, Oh Lord God, please strengthen me. If you're a mom and you've got kids at home, don't quit. Don't give up. Listen, I think personally, I think it's okay sometimes to want to quit if you know you're not going to quit. Okay? Come on, life is hard, right? I mean, you're a mom. I think it's okay sometimes to like, no, I feel like quitting. If you know you're not going to quit. I love my kids. Oh, Lord God, please strengthen me. Yeah, that's Nehemiah's prayer. You know, you look at your friends on Facebook and their posts, and you look at their Instagram pictures, and you see them and their kids, and their kids are always so Clean. <laughs> And they look so happy and well adjusted and they're always winning some award and you just kind of feel like a failure. Because you know, your little girl just cut her own hair. <laughs> or your little boy just rode all over the walls with crayon. Or you got another child you know, that's struggling and you just you feel stuck. Or you see your single friends and they're backpacking in Europe. <laughs> or they're buying a brand new car. Or they're going to a midnight movie. Could you imagine going to a midnight movie and you just feel trapped? Listen, moms, don't quit. Don't give up. What you are doing is so very important. Yeah, it it is hard, it's thankless, it's expensive. It's dirty diapers. It's throw up on your dress. It's eaten from big bird plates. But did you know that part of the wall that needed repaired around the city of Jerusalem was the area around the Dung Gate? You know why it was called the Dung Gate? Yeah, that's why. (laughs) Whatever you're thinking, that's why it was called the Dung Gate. How would you like to bend the people that said, oh, by the way, you all, you're replacing the area around the dung gate? Not very glamorous, is it? But if that section of the wall hadn't been repaired, the whole project would have been a failure. Sometimes we just got to do the hard, unglamorous work to make the whole project a success. And then notice the payday in chapter 6, verse 15. The wall was finally finished in early September, just 52 days after we'd begun. When our enemies in the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated, and they realized the work had been done with the help of our God. God's people decided to commit, not quit. And 52 days later, the task was completed. God's people doing God's work with the help of God can do amazing things. And I don't know of anything more amazing, more tenacious, more determined than a mother who has decided, I will not quit on my kids. Don't mess with that mother. A police recruit was asked on his exam, what would you do if you were forced to arrest your own mother? And he said, I'd call for backup. (laughs) Don't mess with a determined mom. Kate Wiggins said this, Most of the beautiful things in life come in twos or threes, in dozens or hundreds, plenty of roses, billions of stars, countless rainbows, sunsets and full moons, lots of cousins, lots of friends, but in the whole wide world, you only have one mother. In the whole wide world, you only have one mother. In the whole wide world, I only have one mother. Hopefully she's going to be here at second service. And one of the reasons is why why I as a man can stand up here and talk to you moms about how to be a better mom is because I had a mom who modeled these things. I had a mom who, who prayed, who listened to God, who dreamed big dreams. And she's never quit being a mom. And I am one of only four people in the entire world that knows what her heartbeat sounds like from the inside. And you have that same relationship with your mother. Something very, very special about a mother and a child. Even if that relationship is strained, even if that relationship is ended, that's your mom. You know, God knew how important, how precious that relationship was. And let me wrap up with one of my favorite passages out of the book of Isaiah. Can a mother forget her little child and not have love for her own son? Never. Yet even if that should be, I will not forget you. See, I have tattooed your name upon my palm, and ever before me is the picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. Soon your rebuilders shall come and chase away all those destroying you. When God wanted to explain to us how much He loved us, the truest, deepest love that He could do that we could relate to was the love of a child and a mother. And God said, You know how much a mom loves her child? I love you even more than that. And then He proved it by sending Jesus. This morning, whatever your relationship with your mother is or or might have been, whatever your thoughts and opinions on motherhood might be, your name is still tattooed on God's palm. And so are the names of your children. You are loved, you are claimed. And whenever someone loves us like that, we ought to love them back. Whenever someone shows us that kind of love, we ought to love them back in return. So to all you mothers this morning, may God's richest blessings be poured out on you today. And may you feel the love of your children. And may you feel the love of your God. And may you feel the love of your Bay Area family. We are so honored to have moms with us today. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. I know this is kind of a different sermon. Know we've kind of stepped sideways and did some different things this morning. But we are a family. And one of the great things about family is we share with each other. And maybe there's something going on in your life you just need to share with people who love you. Maybe it has absolutely nothing to do with today's lesson but you're asking for prayers of people who love you. And we'd love to help you and pray with you in any way that we can. If there's any way that we can minister to you this morning, there'll be some people here at the front of the auditorium if you meet us there. Let's stand and sing.